I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Wigan, go to the praise and place, look ahead to Blackburn and answer your podcast questions. This is the Bora Breakdown podcast and this is why Bora Match Day Chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the treadmill. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Mash Day chatter in a podcast. And a 4-1 win for Borough, hat-trick for Tuba Rackpom. He is top of the goal scorers charts. Ryan Giles is top of the assists. It's a Christmas miracle on Riverside Street. Uh, guys, how are you <laughs> feeling after Borough's win? Dana Moll, three words, how are you feeling? I'm going to go for tis the season in the festive spirit. But I absolutely love winning at the Riverside on Boxing Day. I had a look at our record. Since we've been in the championship in 2009, 2010, we have played 10 games at home on Boxing Day and won nine of them. Only conceded two goals along the way as well, which is which is a mega record. That is some Boxing Day record, that is. But yeah, I'm just really glad that we reacted and responded to that defeat against Burnley because that could have really knocked the suffering out of us, but it didn't. And in the season of gift-giving, the greatest gift of them all, Chuba Amechi at Pom with that hat-trick. And shout-out to Ryan Giles as well because Santa would have been proud of those deliveries. It was just a really good afternoon for us. Lots of good things to come from that game. I absolutely love coming back to Teesside, going straight to the Riverside and seeing Borough win on Boxing Day. We are very good at it, as I've just mentioned. And yeah, there's, as I said, lots of positives to take. Um, I will say I do think Wigan were poor. We'll get on to that later. But Akpom Hattrick, Marcus Force scoring, Hayden Hackney being brilliant, 4-1 scoreline, a capacity crowd. Zach Stefan bounced back from his nightmare at Burnley it was just a lot of really good positives to come from that game so all in all very happy Tom how are you feeling yeah I've also got a festive three words but probably not as eloquent as Dana put it I've got proper Christmassy like uh, <laughs> that's better poetry. than mine Tom poetry emotion you get that little side tip in there culture oh, absolutely um, yeah it just as Dana's just said there it just feels like a Christmas tradition now you go to the Riverside the, the day after Christmas, watch Borough pick up three points. And I, I said it on our preview show um, the other day, like, I generally can't remember the last time we did lose on, on Boxing Day. Obviously, it doesn't seem that, like that far away if it was in Sheffield. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I must have put it out in my memory. But great way to, you know, um, cap off Christmas, great performance. And, and just as Dana said there, after Burnley, which you know wasn't a, a great display by any means, it's it's great to just get right back on track. Mm. Two really positive uh, three words there. I want to go with we'll go on Sizzler. Um, I just think <laughs> that we're we're going to go at the playoffs, smash it, and just win, and then we're going to be in the Premier League next year. Um, <laughs> but no, no, seriously, it was a really good performance yesterday. Really happy with it. Really good to see us bounce back, and then. I think just the way we played yesterday, and I, I do agree with you, then I thought Wigan were really poor. Um, but we punished them, scored goals, and created chances. And we've done that, done it pretty much every game under Carrick. 
and we're just looking balanced and refreshed, but also I think ready to go for the second half of the season. Um, that's why my three words are we'll go on Sizzler because I just think I'm hoping <laughs> it's going to be a, a good second half of the season. But let's chat about Wigan then because it was back to back 4 1 wins against Wigan. Um, Colo Tura's Wigan were just. They started off so well and made it compact, and then the first goal completely changed the complexion of the game. And then Bora ended up scoring for uh, two hack one with a hat trick, and Marcus Force with the first one. And then we decided to concede, and it wasn't very Christmassy. Uh, but Denimal, how would you assess the win against Wigan on Boxing Day? Yeah, as I said at the beginning, I don't want to come across as if I'm the Grinch, but I'm not going to purr too much about it just because I did think Wigan were poor. I was a bit confused after the game because obviously I was on tees and there were a few texts coming in saying that we're basically complimenting Wigan in a sort of backhanded way. But I feel like if you're saying things like, oh, you know, they fought until the end, they gave a real good go at it, it just kind of tells me that you're a bit crap. And I think Wigan played like their second bottom of the championship, which of course they are. They did get through a few times, it has to be said, but that's probably by virtue of the fact that Borough do play quite advanced with with Ryan Giles in particular. And we are naturally going to leave gaps in behind. And if simply put, if you're not exploiting those, then you really are bad. But yeah, even when they did get through, they just didn't have that quality to be able to punish Borough. And I think in terms of their approach, they were defending quite vertically um, in terms of not the defence, but compact, uh, sorry, packing the, the, the wide areas out with players and basically leaving the opposite flank completely free. And if you're a Borough fan and you're thinking, which two players do you want to be given space in a football match? It's Ryan Giles and Isaiah Jones. And time and time again, that switch was on. They were coming to that ball side and then... Mm which was there and I think it was a bit disappointing to see Borough not really take advantage of that and punish Wigan how I feel like they should have given the fact that they were leaving if if Isaiah Jones or Tommy Smith on that right hand side had the ball Ryan Giles was completely free and I think we we worked that really well I just wanted to see us take advantage of that a little bit more but even despite the fact that I think Wigan were poor I think Borough did show a lot of good stuff in that game uh, passing it through the thirds really, really well. Hayden Hackney was absolutely fantastic. And personally, my man of the match, I know Tube Ratpom obviously gets the, the headlines, but I thought Hackney was unbelievable. He looks like he's been playing against these championship teams for many, many years. And I think this is, what, his second month playing in this division. And he's 20 years old. It's crazy the amount of maturity. And he approaches games with so much confidence. And I think that's elevating his performance levels as well. You can tell that he's almost channeling Carrick in a way. Like he's mirroring Carrick's game. And I think that's absolutely fantastic to see. Um, I thought the defence, Lenahan, is probably going under the radar a little bit, but I think he's definitely imposing his importance on this team. Zach Stefan, as I said, was much better. Him, uh, I think we're going to talk about the press. He's key to basically attracting the the press and then Borough play out from there. I think we were good at bypassing uh, Wigan's pressing triggers. And yeah, it was just, it, it was good. It was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to take anything away from Borough, but I'm just, I'm a bit reluctant to go, uh, get too excited um, about it because I do think Wigan were poor. I'm going to ask you a question here, Nackney Dana. Do you think that Carrick's, if you've got to sum up Carrick's first few games, do you think that the, do you think that Hayden Hackney is, is improvement from making him from an academy player to a, a player that looks really comfortable in the championship is probably the best thing that he's done so far? Definitely, along with playing Chubratpam in that withdrawn striker role, because of course, Leo gets immense credit for bringing him into the team in the first place, but then Carrick really had to pick up and make sure that he was a mainstay in that team because he could have easily taken Hayden Hackney out of that starting eleven, and and it could have just been a little one game thing under or two game thing, whatever under Leo uh, Perkovic. But he made sure, and he he's you know Hayden Hackney's made sure that he stayed in this team. It's really impressive, not only how he's sort of place this importance on Hayden Hackney but also how Hayden Hackney has made sure that his place in that team is absolutely nailed and it's because of his great performances he's just got that fearlessness in midfield and what I've noticed of Carrick's tactics is that he really wants those midfielders to be able to take the ball on the half turn and when you see Stefan with the ball yes it puts the shits up people but 
it's for a reason that he's playing out from the back and he often tries that ball into central areas and Hayden Hackney or Johnny House will take it on the half turn and uh, get us basically around the press by playing it out wide. So it's it's really, really good to see. I think he's an absolute delight to watch Hayden Hackney. And I remember I wasn't too excited about him initially because I was a bit, I think Chris Wilder's ruined my love of football, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm too scared to like get excited about anything or anyone now. Um, but Hayden Hackney's fantastic. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Okay, then. Um, Tom... What I'm, I don't give a lot of praise to Hackney, um, Lenahan, and, and, and Akpom, obviously, of course, getting all of the, the praise as well. But what impressed you about Boris' performance yesterday? <clears throat> well, I just thought the way we controlled the game was, was really impressive. Um, going into that, I was actually expecting Wigan to be better than they were. Um, because, you know, having watched them last week against Sheffield United, I thought they played well in the second half and you could see what Colotura was trying to do. Um, you know, they didn't look like the same team we'd, we'd beat a few months back. And then, you know, we had the preview show last Thursday and Barry was quite excited by uh, the first couple of games under Colotura. He's like, you can see what he's doing. He just needs time to do it. And I just I feel like I didn't see any of that yesterday. Um, so I think from from my side of things, um, other than you know feeling a little bit nervy when they broke through the a couple of times they did in the first half, uh, and, and then they were they let themselves down by you know poor finishing really. Um, I'd, I'd never felt like other than those times we were in any danger of conceding. Uh, we could just controlled it really well, and then just being absolutely clinical with the uh, the finishing. I remember. At three one, thinking, you know what? Really, hope Akpom gets his trick now, and then, you know, he, he does in possibly one of the the best finishers of the game. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of like a mix of mix of both, you know, controlling the game well, and then just being extremely clinical uh, once it comes to it in the final third. Do you think there was anything in the game that completely changed the game on its head? Because when we when we talk about football, obviously, you have those key moments. You have certain parts, certain players, but do you think there's anything that really changed this game and got Middlesbrough ahead in, in the game and on the front foot? Well, for me, it was the first two goals. Um, the first one from, from Marcus Force, another great finish. Um, but I think up until that point... <laughs> oh, that was unintentional, that one. Isn't it? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I think up, up until that point, like I said, Wigan had broken through a few times and, and, and kind of let themselves down with, with their finishing. But there were a couple of occasions... Uh, I think the the most glaring one was uh, they had a back post header which seemed to go off their striker's shoulder and out for a, a goal kick. But I'm just thinking, oh, that was a bit close. You know, w- would a, a better team have punished us there? And then it it did seem like they were defend, like you said earlier, defending really compactly uh, whenever we were going forward. So it was like, where's this goal going to come from? But I think that first goal really forced them to open up. And then the second goal coming so so soon after after half time, um, I, I think just completely changed it from from that point on. I remember saying to me dad at three nil, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought this was coming in the first half, but uh, you know, the, I thought I thought the second goal, uh, like I say, really really changed things for us there and just allowed us to to push on from from that point. Yeah, it really did, and when you say like the first goal and around their press and their shape. The first twenty minutes or so, they were they were compact Wigan, but Wigan Athletic. I feel like we need to talk about need to talk about your press because um, <laughs> the i the idea of high press was there, the execution was horrendous, um, and I think there's a couple there's a few clips out of the game, and I've, I've picked up one which we put on our Twitter page and on our Instagram page as well. But in terms of how Bora were playing and how Wigan were looking to press, so there's always a trigger in in every game where you look to try and press an opposition player or you look to try you know get some get a bit more players around him so he's going to be more prone to the mistake Bora obviously like play out from the back um Stefan's looking to uh, play to Hackney or to Housen play it on the half turn like Dana was mentioned earlier um, but what we're going to try to do is press those two midfielders press Dale Fry and Lenahan and make it difficult or, or, and Tommy Swift to make it really difficult for Bora to play out and force them long so we can come in the second balls and then also get back in possession again and make things really difficult. 
But there's an example of this where I kept happening and Borough kept finding a way through. So firstly, Stefan gets the ball in the 40th minute. He plays it through to Hayden Hackney. And what Wigan kept doing was being over eager and then pressing the wrong person at the wrong time, but then also creating too much space from defence to midfield. So when the ball comes into to Hackney, he plays on the half turn really, really well, and he's excellent on the half turn, by the way. So mm. the worst thing you want to do is get let him Hackney play on the half turn and get the ball out wide. What tends to be happening out the game was Wigan were over pressing and trying to attack probably the, the, the centre halves. Um, but then also with that, the defence wasn't falling them with them. So the midfield and the forwards would go forward, but then this would create a huge space uh, for Borat to play out. So when they did play out um, and say Smith got the ball on the right hand side, was able to overlap uh, their winger, um, he was in a bundle of space and Borat was sorry, were in this little place where in the middle of the pitch, they had about four or five Borough players um, to able to create a numerical advantages, but also attack space and then also double up on the fullbacks and also be able to play through. So a lot of Borough's goals uh, yesterday were playing it through the half space, but then also creating space on the half turn and Borough attacking forward. And when they were able to do that, and we created a lot of chances. But there was a lot of key moments in that game where Borough were able to just get in between the lines because they were overpressing from the midfield and the forwards. The defence wasn't coming up. Um, to, to kind of nullify the space. And then Borough were able to play between the lines because of that. And then you were able to find in that first half, Duncan Watmore. Uh, and at that times, as I Jones was going to be in there, everyone was playing between the lines. And I felt that was kind of key uh, to Borough being successful yesterday. But Wigan Athletic, you have to be so much better. And in a point that on that. Rest. And go on. Yeah. I, I was just going to say a point on that. I was looking back at clips from the Burnley game what they did really well is rather than pressing those centre halves they pressed the the ball receiver who was intended to obviously receive the pass from Stefan so that was really causes problems because as you said you cannot let Hayden Hackney receive the ball in the half turn because he's very good at it it's that sort of body position to be able to just turn and release the ball he's very good at that so Burnley did well and why Borough came unstuck at Turf Moor was because they were pressing the midfield as opposed to necessarily um, necessarily Stefan and the the centre-halves so maybe something to keep an eye on and and as well just off the back of the Wigan game something that I'd be mindful of going forward is Borough's reaction to conceding or sorry to scoring because obviously we scored at Burnley and then conceded immediately and then the Asgard goal came, I think it's three minutes after we scored uh, the third goal. And then after the fourth, Wigan went immediately down the other end and almost scored. And I wasn't even looking at that point. I was too busy thinking, oh, my God, I've just seen a Middlesbrough player score a hat-trick. And so maybe that's something to be mindful of. Our reaction, talking about maybe things that we can improve, our reaction to, to scoring ourselves, maybe we need to tighten up a little bit. The old cliche, then you're most vulnerable when you've just scored a goal, um, just because a lot of people tend to check out in the enjoyment of it and with the enjoyment of the goal, and then tend to concede. But teams do tend to come out. But for me, I thought Wigan just you can even look at the average positions you go on who scored and have a look at it. But Wigan's shape yesterday was just awful. Um, but the Borough were able to beat them in the press, too aggressive in um, in, in their impressive but we're collective as a unit as well i think when you are pressing you've got to have the idea and have the right idea you've got to try and execute it but executing it is it's a lot more difficult um but we'll talk about that first goal uh dana marcus force finally getting on on, on the score sheet again um it was a, a great finish as as, as tom <laughs> said and and tweeted but do you think it was the pick of the bone shot have you got another one in mind I do like Atpom's third goal, but I think we absolutely have to give credit to Marcus Force because it is a fantastic finish, you know, to be able to divert the ball goalwards from from that pass from Watmore. And I have to apologise to Watmore because I did think that was just a really bad shot initially because he sort of swivels, but he has his head down the whole time. And when I think of Watmore, I think of having his head down not really looking around him and just having a shot. There was a moment in the second half where he just ran and ran and ran and then ran into a defender because he's very Watmore, isn't it? Tunnel vision. Um, so sorry, Duncan, it was a, com- it was a pass. Um, I need to go back to Boots Opticians, clearly. But yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic finish from Force. I'm really, really happy for him. But that third goal from Atpom, I think, was 
was brilliant. Um, Ryan Giles' delivery was absolutely fantastic, the best of the night. And his he has to adjust his body to meet the height of that cross because it's sort of dropping as it reaches him. So it's fantastic reactions to be able to just adjust his body to cushion that home. And all three goals were absolutely brilliant. Uh, the first one, I honestly thought was top bins. I was getting really excited because I really love top bins goals, but it, it hits the roof of the net. But nonetheless, a finish that I think shows the confidence that he's in because the conviction and the power behind that strike, I think just shows he just leathered it, didn't he? And uh, mm. fantastic. The second one, it, it was at Pom's favourite, cut across the goalkeeper, um, bottom right-hand corner or bottom left-hand corner and uh, left foot weaker left foot it was yeah three really good goals uh, four really good goals actually three from from at pom of course but i think the third of at poms was was the pick of the bunch for me okay and, and there was obviously one down part of the game you know conceding but we won't come to that because it was clear i think it was tommy smith's error um from the crossing and leaving his man and did blame dale fry because of it but there was another uh, another moment um tom Johnny House went off injured, head injury. We don't really know the extent of it. Mount came in. Um, Mount has had too many minutes, but how would you think he played yesterday? I thought he was all right. Probably give him around six out of ten for that second half. Um, you could tell he's not played very many minutes because there were um, passes that I would say he missed that Housen wouldn't have done, uh, and that's going to come with familiarity in the system. Um, there was one point where... I think it was actually on the lead up to their goal. He had he had a, a straight pass through the lines to Duncan Watmore, and instead of playing that pass, dribbled it backwards towards uh, you know it, um, into his own penalty area and towards the corner, and ended up having to clear the ball out for a throw in, which they eventually uh, well they then scored from pretty much. Um, which I, I could just not understand why he made the decision to do that. Um, but then on the other hand. It was right before the uh, the second goal, uh, which I think Hayden Hackney is going to get all the plaudits for for the pass to to Giles for the cross anyway. But Mowat actually makes a pretty decent turn in centre midfield to give the ball to Hackney from that, um, and you know that, that that's gone a bit under the radar. I, th- I think credit where it's it's due. Um, Mowat hadn't really impressed me in in prior games uh, before this, but. Um, yeah, I thought he played all right yesterday and I wouldn't feel um, too nervy about him keeping his place for Blackburn if Housen's still out. Thanks for answering my next question because I was about to ask you, would you like to see him um, <laughs> against against Blackburn? But we'll we'll move on and we'll chat about uh, Moonis because he wasn't on the bench yesterday. Carrick didn't even mention it in, in the presses. So, Dan and, and Tom, do you, do you think that Moonis is definitely out the door Dana do you think he is Mm, not necessarily but I wouldn't be surprised I mean we touched on it last week didn't we that Crooks is coming on uh, before him who isn't technically a striker although we'll get onto it later I could definitely see where Carrick is playing him uh, in that position but I mean you can't really blame Carrick for not giving him more minutes because Crooks has come on and made an impact force obviously scoring now um, at Pom in the form of his life. You just can't really see a way that, that Munoz gets into this team. Um, it was funny that when Mitrovic scored for Fulham yesterday, he just tweeted, Mitro! And then about an hour later, tweeted, Tuba! <laughs> it's just made me laugh. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the end, but I wouldn't be surprised. Carrick does seem to be or not be averse to sort of switching things up. We've seen Dykes deal out of the team a few times, out of the squad even, Baller the same. Pharrell Willis seems to be, you know, Grandpa Simpson, I know I mentioned that last week, but he's Grandpa Simpson one minute, he's on the bench one minute, he's not in the squad. Um, yeah, he doesn't seem to be particularly bothered of maybe ruffling a few feathers a little bit in team selection. Tom, what are you thinking? I think he probably is going to go in January. Um he just he doesn't seem to fit the system at the moment, um, and I don't think that's any fault of his either. I think he's just not that type of player. Uh, I will say, um, as I've said before, I, w- I was impressed with him earlier in the season. Um, whenever he was he was getting a chance to play or starting, he never looked like he was given anything less than hundred um, percent, and and you can tell that he's still invested. Um, you know, just. 
I, I think as you can tell from his his Twitter before he joined and then after he joined, he, he, he kind of really uh, seemed to love us for some reason. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think he's still investing. He probably still would give hundred uh, percent if if he was getting the game. It's just I don't think he fits into this system. And as Dan has just said, that Macrox is is getting played ahead of him as a striker now. I think going into January, we've got three or four signs in mind. I think one of them is going to be a striker and they'll probably be coming in in place of Muniz. And um, I, I think the other thing as well, it's came out in the last couple of weeks, I think it was Gremio uh, had a, a move turned down for him um, in January because I think Fulham were wanting him to get championship experience. Um, I, I feel like that type of stuff comes out in the press if there's the substance to it and there's, you know, it, it might be like, you know, agents trying to draw up interest or, you know, and anything like that. But I, I feel like there's definitely something there and it's either we're looking at facilitating a move for him or he's trying to get one himself. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, I think it's a shame that he's going to go because of at the start of the season, I thought we've got a good strike here. Um, I remember his header. Um, I can't remember who it was against, but it was an absolute leaping header. Watford. Watford. Was it Watford? Yeah. Um, what was great that was. No, I thought it was. No, no, no it was Watford. I think it, it, it was Watford, yeah, and then there he tried to score home. from 70 yards later. Yeah, there was, there was one at home. I know which one you're on about, Johnny, but technically yeah. I also don't at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, le- he left like a salmon. Left like a salmon, and uh, it was a great But yeah, it's a shame it hasn't worked out, but... You've both said, I think there's a permanent striker incoming. And Cardiff, yeah, Cardiff. There you go. Yeah, um, honey, thanks. Um, that was uh, <laughs> other, that was an other guy's reference. If you didn't watch other guys, then you, you'll not understand the word I've just said. Um, but we'll chat about another striker, um, two Brackbomb and J- uh, Ryan Giles, well, the left back and top goal scorer, top assists. I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime as a Borough fan. Uh, there probably will be a moment where it has happened, but. I don't know. Um, but they've had four uh, goal combinations together. I think it's the highest in the championship so far. But what's making this partnership work so well? Because a left-back and a forward isn't what you normally expect, is it? You'd expect the left-winger or the right-winger to do it, but a left-back. Uh, Dana, why is it working so well? Because Ryan Giles' his left foot is unbelievable and also at Pom's anticipation of <laughs> his left foot is is unbelievable as well you know he said after the game that he's been researching Ryan Giles and you can tell you can tell you know he's been doing his homework on his deliveries at previous loan clubs and I think you saw that the most in that third goal because he makes a run in front of James McLean, who's caught napping a little bit, and he just positions himself in the right place at the right time. And as I said, he adjusts his body to meet the the height of that cross. And yeah, they are they they just seem to have this really almost innate combination play at the moment, which is brilliant to watch. But I think individually as well, taking the kind of combination out, you've got Ryan Giles there, who I think is probably the best crosser of the ball in the championship. And then Atpom in his own right is a good poacher. He showed it at Pauk. Um, I keep mentioning this goal against Barnsley where he anticipated that rebound. It's always been within his game. It's just needed to be brought out and Carrick is bringing that out of him. So, yeah, it's um, just two good players in their own right naturally coming together and it's it's brilliant to see. When two become one, uh, which is also <laughs> <an> absolute... <laughs> uh, But Tom, nice how... Tom, what do you think? Is there anything more to add to that or... Yeah, I mean, this think? season's uh, Isaiah Jones and Matt Crooks, aren't they? Just, <laughs> <laughs> they're just doing extremely well. And I think a lot of that is coming down to the high-quality chances created by Ryan Giles. Um, I think he offers something on the left-hand side, which I don't think Jones necessarily offers on the right, although he does still offer something different. And it is a positive that, you know, you're, you're looking at more kind of like getting to the byline and the low crosses in from Jones rather than, you know, crosses from deep or, uh, you know, for the, the the players who were better aerially from uh, from Ryan Giles. But no, it, it's great to see. And then, um, you know, giving Akpom his, his credit as well. Um, it just... As Dana said there, the fact that he's kind of like studied Ryan Giles and knows where to be. Um, they've both clearly got that green line chemistry now and uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's really it, it, shown. 
Yeah, it, it does. And if Trubert keeps going the way he's going, he'll end up on 31 goals this season. Uh, so that means he could probably sell a DVD collection outside of Empire. Um, so <laughs> if he does, then fantastic. But he's got, you know, eight more for the Cleveland Centre, four more for for British Lambalonga, so <laughs> it's a goal-scoring machine. Uh, but let's move on to questions, then, because every week uh, you can send us in your questions via Twitter, the Boring Scott Breakdown, at email at theboringbreakdownhotmail.com, or join our Telegram chat with over 290 Borough fans speaking everything, probably but Borough at the moment, <laughs> but they do speak about it sometimes. Um, and there's all the different chats in there. We have, like, gaming, EFL, um, tickets and also just the main chat as well. But the first question is from Alex. He says, would you accept a high bid for Tube Pom in January? I know we have a year extension option in this contract, but the likelihood is he won't sign a further deal. Thus, we'll either leave on a free at the end of the season or we accept a lower price move, uh, low, lower price this summer. Uh, Tom, would you accept a high bid for Tube Pom in January? I, w- I wouldn't want to, but I feel like we're in the place now where we can do the same thing as Coventry when Gokarez had that one good season, just start demanding twenty million for him. Um, <laughs> I, I think if someone comes in with that, then yeah, obviously. But I think from uh, you know making business sense and the uh, the aim of trying to be profitable as a club, if someone did come in with silly money, then yeah, absolutely, and we'll we'll try and replace them the best we can. But I, w- I wouldn't want to in, in January, really. It would. We've got a good thing going at the moment. I wouldn't want to see us kind of derail our season, and I'd, I'd rather we we took up that uh, that option uh, to extend his contract. I don't understand how he's not likely to sign it. I would flip that question and say he's nailed on to sign a new deal because that man loves playing under Carrick. You can mm. tell he was chanting or dancing along with the Super Michael uh, Carrick chant at Hull. The same with Blackpool. He's spoken about how he feels at home at Middlesbrough now that his Middlesbrough career has has fully kicked off and started. You can tell he's very appreciative of the fans' support and the fans have really taken to Atpon. So I don't understand how he's not likely to sign it. I think he will sign a new deal um, because he's got a good thing going at the moment. As he said, he feels at home. I think that's rare to come by sometimes, especially for a striker. So why, yeah, why, why end that? Why put an end to the the good little run that he's on and the good moment that he's in? I think he will sign a new deal. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay, so the next question uh, is from Steven. He says, is there any chance of signing Giles on a permanent in January? Absolutely no idea what he's worth. Uh, two years of loan suggest he's available. Uh, I'd love to sign him. Um, to be fair, Ryan Giles has been on loan quite a lot over like, the last few seasons, and this one is really working out uh, really well. But, you know, Wolves are still on him, of course. New manager may want to have a look at him in the summer, but we'll see. But 
Uh, Dana, is there any chance of Borough going for Giles on a permanent? I mean, if Akpom stays, it, it, it makes sense, right? Yeah, I don't think it'll happen in January if it does. Um, I don't think Wolves will keep him, if I'm honest, because I think they'll probably be of the same fabric of clubs that want to breed through these academy players and then let them go. I just can't see Ryan Giles getting into that Wolves team, not because of a lack of quality, but more just because of what I said there, that sort of approach to um, developing young players and then letting them go. And I also think that he will go for a, a much a much cheaper fee and I say cheaper there than people would think um I don't know exactly what amount so maybe that was a completely redundant thing for me to to just say but I don't think there's any chance of us doing it in January I think we'll probably reassess in the summer because I don't think it would necessarily be smart to do that in um January because even though I said cheaper there I still think it would be a, a significant fee for us so um yeah maybe look at it again in the summer I think, in fairness, some some last got him to sign a permanent contract at the Christmas sign a couple of weeks ago. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, he's, he's permanently signed a three-year deal, I guess. So I mean, what we mourning for? So <laughs> it'd be fine. Uh, but is there is there a fee in mind, Tom, that you that you think that he'd be worth? Honestly, I, I couldn't even have a guess at that. Um, I, I, I think what he's worth to us might be drastically different to, to what he's worth to to Wolves. Um, I have seen, you know, when, when we signed him on Twitter and whenever he has a good game, there are Wolves fans who are saying, why do we keep loaning him out? And, you know, we mm-hmm. could do with him back and stuff. But whether or not their club sees it that way, I, I, I don't know. Mm. I think it definitely depends on where Wolves end up this season. They were bottom uh, before the beat uh, Everton yesterday. And... You know, if they if they do and and are safe, then I think that's definitely a deal that is a is going to happen. But if they get relegated, it's just nailed on. He would probably stay uh, at Wolves, in, in in my opinion. But you know, maybe like five to seven mil. You never know. But Borough I probably... do ten mil. I do because as Tom yeah. said, there it's what he's worth to Wolves. And if mm. this was a Championship club, they would ramp that fee up considerably. But it's a Premier League club, so I feel like they will obviously be aware of his importance to Middlesbrough and probably maybe increase the demand a little bit but yeah I just don't think it's as much as people might think Hmm. yeah well he was the fourth choice left back um in the summer and he is of course now on loan and doing really well but we'll see um in January and in the summer if he does sign a permanent deal but I would love it as well but next question is from Keith and he says is Crooks now uh, primarily uh, a striker for Borough going forward uh, do you think you can play a role in centre midfield under Carrick's system? Then it was a strange one just yesterday because, um, you know, when Hauser comes off, you would think that Crooks would normally fit into that centre midfield position, but he didn't. So do you think he's now an hour forward? Um, you know what? It's, it is it is an interesting one because right now he is, absolutely. And I do actually think that that's his position going forward because... When I think of Matt Crooks, aside from the fine hair and him being just a genuinely sound bloke, I think of his poaching. And I remember specifically, and this was at the very beginning, it might have, I think it was his first Middlesbrough appearance against Fulham at the beginning of the 2020-21 season. I, I do remember putting in my notes, Matt Crooks is not good in the air for a tall man or something along that, those lines. So I don't, I, his aerial ability, despite his height, is not one of his strengths. One of his strengths is being in the right place at the right time and poaching. If you were to play a, a, a compilation of, of his Middlesbrough goals, you would come to one word, and that is poacher. So I think his future is up front. I, I really do. Um, because with Ryan Giles and Isaiah Jones, particularly Giles, there is a really good opportunity there to get the best out of Crooks as a striker. And... He's not a midfield. He's not a midfielder in this character system for me because, as I said, Hackney and, and Housen have to receive the ball facing their own goal, and they have to be able to play on the half turn because of that. That's not Crooks's strong suit, so he doesn't get in that midfield for me. He plays up front, and I think that's his position for the foreseeable. And I am not mad at that because I think that would get a, a decent amount in terms of maximizing somebody's ability out of Matt Crooks. And if we do need to go along, for whatever reason, if that's a plan B or a plan C or whatever, 
then you could maybe see his aerial ability improve. But I do like him as a striker and I do like his cameo role off the bench. I think it suits him and it suits us as well. Nice of you to indirectly say that uh, Matt Crooks turns like a bus. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean... but no, I, yeah, but no I, I agree. I agree. Dana. I think him being a, a forward now is, is definitely the way to go. Good up portion. But also you say maximising the player. I think maximising his value as well for, for getting mm. the most money out of Matt Crooks is probably as, as a 10 or a forward now rather than that centre midfielder role, even though he, he did play uh, quite well under Wilder in, in that system. But the final question... A uh, bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's about Tom and Matt. And uh, it says, when are you booking your hotel for Wembley? So, Tom, when are you booking your uh, your hotel for Wembley? Oh, it's already booked. <laughs> no, it's not already <laughs> booked. Uh, I won't be staying uh, down there. I'll be going on the bus and coming straight back. Uh, so, uh, probably never would be uh, the answer for me. <laughs> okay. <then. laughs> right, well, let's move on to the praise and place then because the praise and place is the pr- place we like to give praise to... Dana's pink hair, man and Tom's hairdresser, who now we all have, we now have the same haircut. Um, uh, <laughs> I want to get that haircut too. Four what more. The, what the the, the low ball fades, uh, mm. sweep sweep back. We can yeah. make that happen on this podcast. I mean, I've said this for the last few weeks, but we will make stuff happen. We just don't know when. Uh, but who gets uh, your place in the praise and place this week, Tom? Who are you going to go for? Well, I mean, Akpom and Giles have to be absolute shoe-ins for it, and I would probably say Hayden Agnew as well. Um, I don't think any explanations really needed for Akpom and Giles. You know, free assists, free goals, and then Hack- uh, Hackney yesterday, I just thought was... I've had an incredible game. Um, seems to be getting getting better with every game that goes by. And like I said, that that pass that uh, you know freed up Giles for the second goal was fantastic. And that reminded me a lot of what Tav was able to do on that left hand side uh, last year as well. Uh, I remember sending my mate yesterday. Imagine if we kept all the Tav and we had them two in the same midfield. That bit looked just be incredible. But yeah, I thought Hackney was uh, was brilliant yesterday. Okay then, Dana, who are you going to go for? I'm going to go for Mr. Aardvark, Darlenaham, because <laughs> I think he's... The, the dynamic on that left side is interesting, isn't it? Because Ryan Giles is not playing as a left-back, he's playing as a left-winger, he's that advanced. And as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, that's going to leave spaces in behind down that left channel. But I think Lenahan is really solid in that position. He made some good blocks yesterday. And he's also a decent threat in the air. And one of these days, he will score from one of those corners. And I feel like it's going to happen sometime soon, hopefully against Blackburn, because they were teasing him a little bit in August, saying, Dara, what's the score? So hopefully um, he can return the favour with a goal against Blackburn. But I just think that he is becoming really important to this team, obviously taking the captain's armband when Housen went off. He's maybe gone under the radar a little bit in terms of his improvement in this side, but I think he's well-deserving of his place. You know, he's keeping out Paddy McNair, um, who has been a really decent player for us over the past few seasons, particularly in that uh, defence. So he's absolutely there on merit. And I think it's about time that he gets some praise from me. So yeah, Daryl Lenahan. And also I do want to shout out Red Faction because that banner before kickoff was really, really good. Um, it did get me a bit emotional because as a red car person, um, my, you know, my family, generations of the Malt family have been in the steelworks and yeah, crushed me a little bit to see, well, crushed me a lot actually to see the, uh, red car skyline wiped out but yeah i thought it was a really good really good uh banner from red factions so props to them for that okay and then i'm gonna go for i probably heard in hackney i thought he was excellent um probably i'll go with marcus force i think he gets he doesn't get enough praise i think and he, he, he does a hard job up front you know it's he has to have. He's he's the first person in the press. He's always the. He's always like up and down the pitch, and then he's now creating chances for himself. But I thought his finish uh, uh, against Wigan was excellent. You know, to to open your body up and place it in the corner was was just was beautiful. Um, I just hope he can continue to score 
um, our goals because it's going to be interesting to see what we do in the transfer window. If we bring another striker in, how does that affect Force um, and does he keep his spot? But for me, I think he's, he's definitely deserving of his position at the moment and hopefully it can continue. Um, but let's look ahead to Blackburn now where Borough uh, go to Ewood Park. And the last time Borough won there was in 2019. But Dana or Tom, do you know who scored on that 1-0 win? Probably oh Sam God. Gallagher on goal. No, Borough, <laughs> it wasn't Sam Gallagher on goal, but who 2019. scored? 2019. I'll come back to it in just a moment. But Borough have won once in the last 15 meetings against Blackburn, and it was in 2019. But we've got, we spoke to Dan from Rovers Chat to give us some insight on Borough's trip uh, on whatever day it is. I think it's the 29th, but no one knows the actual day. <laughs> Hi, it's Dan from Rovers Chat here, just giving my perspective ahead of Rovers versus Middlesbrough Ewood Park on the 29th of December. So obviously Christmas fixture, we know the games come quick and fast, and it's been a really strange season for Rovers. Uh, we've picked up some good wins, you'll see at Middlesbrough early in the season, a really good win, a really good goal from Gallagher. And then you look at us getting battered off Burnley, battered off Sheffield United, uh, battered yesterday off Sunderland, realistically, I think we got really outdone. So it's been a really up and down season, it's hard to judge actually what Rovers are about, and this is the toughest question I get asked of anyone. When I get asked to sum up Rovers' season, it's that up and down, it's hard to even tell, so it's a really strange one. You know, we... A good side on a day, you know, you could come to Ewood tomorrow and if we beat you 3-0, it wouldn't shock me. And if you beat us 3-0, it wouldn't shock us. And that absolutely sums Rovers up that you don't know who's going to turn up. So it's frustrating, but it's also exciting at the same time. Key place to look out for, Ben Merriton Diaz. He's one you'll all know about. You know, he's not really scored recently, but a goal is coming for him. He's kind of in that stage now where once he gets one, I think he'll carry on scoring again. Sam Gallagher, as you'll know all about, seems to always turn into Messi when he plays against Middlesbrough. Really good striker for us. Maybe not a goal scorer for us normally, but always seems to have a good game against Middlesbrough. Bradley Dack, you all know about, made his way into the side compared to when we last played Middlesbrough, when he was basically frozen out. Now he's back in the side, being really our key player in my eyes in the last few games. Joe Rankin is still at right backs, come back into the side, the first appearance this season, I believe. Uh, the first, pe- uh, first appearance this season, sorry, since August for him, really impressed. There's a lot of talent in this side, it's just whether they turn up. And, you know, when we look into January, it's can we add the depth so that once one player's not performing, we can add a player of the same quality and then up there perform. So I think probably a midfielder's needed a more senior head in the midfield because we've got quite a young uh, set of central midfielders. A striker would be on the list for me, although it's probably lower down unless Brereton Diaz does leave. And then I'd also pick up a left back. We kind of, our starting line is good enough, but we always are always hit by injuries, like every club is, I know, but we always seem to get the brunt of injuries. So a left back is centre mid and a strike, and I think we'll be in a position to go for the playoffs. Now it's just time for my prediction, and like I say, it's so hard to just issue. I've said, I'll go for us to win with us being on home soil, but I know Middlesbrough are a good side. Uh, good win against Wigan on Boxing Day, Michael Carrick's done a pretty good job from an outside perspective it's such a tight game Rovers are so unpredictable it's all about which side turns up well I think we'll know in the first 10 minutes who's going to win but you know that's the why we love football so thank you very much for having us on if you want to check out Rovers chat over on YouTube Twitter everywhere else plenty of content going on but good luck for the season after the uh, game so thank you very much uh, Dan so guys um, can you answer my question? Borough won at Ewood Park in 2019, but who was the goal scorer? Tom, I'll let you go first. Who would you think? Uh, I honestly have no idea. My my guess would be Ashley Fletcher. It wasn't Ashley Fletcher. It wasn't uh, Dana. If you've stopped, if you've actually had a drink and take the cap off this time uh, before you <laughs> drank it. Um, oh uh, dear. Do you know the answer to the question? Was it? Brit. It was Brit Sambalonga. I, I think it was on the telly, right? It was on the telly, yeah. It was the game. Mm. I can't remember. What, I can't remember what, was it the one did. where Fletcher shot across the box and he kind of like jumped into the air and it blasted him in the face and went in? Um, Something like that, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I remember it now. 
Yeah, so we'll take that one. We'll take that one. But um, let's let's look at this game then, because uh, one one in five uh, for Blackburn in all competitions. Um, they've yet to draw a game uh, all season. That is still going that run. It's still they've got the joint third worst losses in the league uh, with eleven, but sit third in the championship table, which I think is absolutely bizarre. Um, but over the last six games, uh, their form has really started to dry up a little bit with their XG lowering in, to an average of zero point six over the last few games so very few chances are being created and they're not really scoring as much as they did at the start of the season but how they'll set up in that 4-2-3-1 um, or 3-4-3 but the 4-2-3-1 is the favoured formation at home and we do pick three players out that we do look at and there will be no surprise here uh, Tyler Morton um, who was on loan from, from Liverpool uh, Ryan Hedges um, who's that, is, that, is the camp and obviously Ben Barrett and Diaz who is just absolutely flying once again and he's top of all of their chance creation goals assists you name it he is top of it even goalkeeper saves um but the the next one uh, is lewis travis as well who is really really good um in that cdm role Shithousery is what i like to call him and he's just he'd been their captain all like the last couple of seasons that was really progressed um i'm surprised he hasn't made a move yet uh, to a Premier League team like a Bournemouth, I feel like it would really suit him, but he hasn't made the move just yet. Um, but the return of Bradley, Bradley Dak, like Dan mentioned, after a long term injury and was frozen out as well. Uh, he could be at the door in January, but he has been integrated back in um, and has been playing quite well over the last few weeks. But how, in terms of their style, it's very reactionary uh, in terms of how they set up each game. Uh, because when you look at their possession stats, they are willing to give teams most of the ball if they can get them on the counter-attack, which I think they will do um, over the game. Uh, they did at the Riverside, where they expected us to have more of the ball and count does quite well. Uh, but I think they'll do this again this time around. Um, but let's do predictions because, like I said, one win in the last 15. I've never seen us win at Ewood Park. Never even seen us score a goal at Ewood Park. Um, <laughs> you look, thank God, to hear that I am not going uh, to this game. But Dana and Tom are. Uh, I'm not. Tom. Oh, Tom, you're not going anymore. Oh, well, nope. we'll cut that out then. We'll cut that out. Um, uh, Tom, you're not going to the game, but what's your prediction? <laughs> um, I'm going for a reverse of the results earlier in the season. I'm going to go to one borough, and Sam Gallagher's going to score for Blackburn. I'm going to put money on that. Uh, <laughs> well, I said that I, on I, 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 don't, I don't care who scores for us. We're winning 2-1, but he's definitely scoring for, uh, for them, probably from about 40 yards, blasting it <laughs> at the top corner, which he has absolutely no business doing. Probably never dreamt about doing that before in his life, but he'll, he'll do it anyway. Okay, um, Sam Gallagher, any time, but Borough win 2-1. Uh, Dana, what are you going to go for? You know what? I am feeling good about this game, and I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go two 0 Borough. I think in a way, day masterclass, we get a win. Sam Gallagher doesn't score, and I go home with three points um, from Ewood Park for the first time ever. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go one one. I just think this if if there's gonna be a draw this season for Blackburn. Mm-hmm. This is going to be it. Um, one-one draw, but I would take a victory any day. I would take a victory with Sam Gallagher scoring an own goal because it's about time. You know, why don't we just do like we did before and just sign like sign him like we did with Rui Gustad because he always just he scored against us a couple of times for Blackburn, um, and just let and him. then he'll, he'll never score again. And he'll never let the let new yeah, the new Jason Yule. Yeah, uh, but guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always, and to listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for listening and watching us on YouTube. But don't forget to subscribe to that as well, because thirty-five percent of our listeners, uh, of our viewers, uh, don't subscribe to us on YouTube. So do subscribe, um, and our listeners as well. If you haven't subscribed to us on your podcast provider, please do. Uh, but what a Boxing Day bonanza for Bora with a tuba act trick. Uh, it's a happy hat trick. It's happy holidays. This has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod. <laughs>